Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Do you love fashion? Do you love getting compliments on how well you're dressed? Are you always seeking the latest trends? Then we're talking to you. BostonProper.com is your fashion destination and the only place to go for all those nods, head turns, and new styles. No matter the day, season, or occasion, Boston Proper has what you're looking for. Sophisticated, confident clothing designed to flatter and get noticed. So visit BostonProper.com now and start creating your perfect wardrobe. Boston Proper. Wear it like no one else. On the Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands, or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. Hello, welcome to the Bechdel cast. My name's Jamie. And my name's Caitlin Durante. Sorry, I just threw in my last name. Oh. (laughs) Should we start over? I don't appreciate a power move at the tippity <laughs> You know, I've had a long day. I know. I realized today that I fuck, I cucked myself real bad today. I, I like fully admit I look like shit. I've been sitting no. in a room that, listen, I know, I know. I was sitting in a room full of old men. It smelled like Panera bread all day. And I realized I was wearing my own merch out in the world again, <laughs> yeah. which is truly sinful and, and tacky and, and gross and I don't I don't care who says it's not it is well I think you're brave for doing it what I meant to say was Loftus <laughs> is my last name this is our podcast this is our podcast uh we use the Bechdel test mm-hmm. which is a test that was created by cartoonist Allison Bechdel in the comic Dykes to Watch Out For and it uh we're getting into the history today. i know i just had to really just, like really did a give thing. a history lesson um it's a media test it's a media test that requires that a movie usually is what it's applied to mm-hmm. has two female identifying characters with names who speak to each other about something other than a man yeah. and our version our bar is only that it is at least a two-line exchange yes did you see the M? Oh, this is not an example of something that would pass the Bechtel test, but I just had a quick question. Oh, please. Did you see the MRA who was tweeting at us today? But he yes. was like, it was, I thought he was actually kind of funny because it was incoherent. Did you see he was like, I couldn't understand a word that happened in this audio file. More male voices are needed. And then he sent us a link to like, women of America demand larger mirrors. Like, I don't know what right. that link he sent was. Don't know. He also but... made fun of us for saying like too much. Yeah, which is a fun criticism that uh, I, I adore. 
Right. I, I love it. It's just, I, I don't know what the, what the fuck do you want from me? I don't, I almost, uh, I want a larger mirror. That's, <laughs> that's what all women want. Um, you know, that movie, what women want, it's just about larger, larger mirrors. Mel Gibson purchased like a series of large mirrors. Yeah. Oh God. Anyway, all right. So we talk about the portrayal and representation of women uh, in cinema. Yes. Yeah, we use the Bechdel test to initiate a larger conversation about that. Too true. Today, mm-hmm. we have, this is a, a, a special time in Bechdel cast history, because if you perhaps were aware or may have noticed, we have an embargo on male guests. Until. Until we today. lifted it just for this very special much consideration <laughs> there were meetings there were yeah, there, there was calls. outrage it was um, <laughs> i was gonna say this is our brexit i don't know why but <laughs> it's not an, a good but anyways but rest assured we've lifted it, we've lifted it no, today we're putting it back down we're putting it back down <laughs> but we are very excited for today's guest and for today's movie yes so l- help us in welcoming oh, um, he's straightened up he's straightened up uh he's a, a comedian he's been featured in the just for last festival he's visiting from new york city ever, ever heard, heard of, of it? it it's george savaris Hi. Hi. Did I say that right? Is it Severus? Severus. Severus. Yeah. The only good man. (laughs) Welcome. Your words. I (laughs) After you repeated them. (laughs) Well, I repeat what men say to me, and that's how I learn. (laughs) How else would I know anything? (laughs) Welcome. Yeah, as we learn from the movie... um, there was a one line where he's like, this is why women shouldn't learn. Yeah. <laughs> it was literally, this is why women shouldn't get an education. Yeah. <laughs> After 30 years, he let her take one computer yeah. class, so, which I, whatever, we can get into. Yeah, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. It's like, what did she learn at that computer class? Do you mean the computers and tourism seminar? <laughs> yes. Does that mean it's that a she's, seminar. she's a hacker if she, she knows is. computers? <laughs> I'm pretty sure she was just calling American Airlines. <laughs> it's actually a prequel to Hackers starring Angelina it, Jolie. Oh, <laughs> they recast the main role. A favorite. Oh, yeah. God. Let's check get... out our bonus Matreon episode on Hackers. This movie, while it does have Joey Fatone, <laughs> which I forgot and I squealed. So did I. I was watching it at work. Oops. Yeah. Uh, so we're talking about My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Yes. So, George, tell us your history, your relationship with this movie. Okay. Well, just like very quick background on my please ethnic identity. Sure. <laughs> um, my parents are fully Greek and they grew up in Greece. And then they moved here for grad school. Then I was born specifically to get American citizenship. And then I was like <laughs> shipped back to Greece. Um, and then throughout my life, I moved back and forth between Greece and America. So mm-hmm. I was in Greece in my early childhood. Then I lived in New Jersey from like second grade to eighth grade. And then I moved back to Greece for high school. So, mm-hmm. wow. and this movie came out when I was living in New Jersey. So it was like at the point where I was very much like a Greek American and like had not gotten like back in touch with my Greek heritage after moving back for high school. So it was very like relatable to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess it came out when I was in. I was like 12. Yeah, 2002. Mm -hmm. And then I watched it enough times where I'm not exaggerating. I could recite the movie, every single word of it, (laughs) from beginning to end. Hell yeah. With my best friend at the time in middle school, who then turned out to... What happened? Then turned out to also be gay. No, 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 we're still friends. (laughs) But it's just, it was... The two things we really liked were my big fat Greek wedding and making the band too. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then the other thing was that at the time, 
a lot of our family friends were Indian, and that was the year that Bend It Like Beckham came out. So mm-hmm. I remember distinctly mm-hmm. like having a double feature that was like Big Fat Greek Wedding and Bend It Like Beckham. Mm-hmm. And then yes. our parents just being like, you know, at the end of the day, the immigrant experience is like so universal. <laughs> and I was like, we agree. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful. It was very beautiful, yeah. I was thinking about Bennett like Beckham uh, at a few different points. And I mean, be, just because of like it revolves around a wedding. Like, mm-hmm. it's a good double feature. Yeah. Solid double feature. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jamie, what's your history with my big fat Greek wedding? Oh, love it. Love it. <laughs> First grown up movie I was allowed to see in theaters. Whoa. I remember, I don't remember. I. I don't remember what my mom said that we were going to see, but it was, I was like, ugh, whatever. I'm, you know, I'm nine, I'm grown up, and this is stupid. And then we got to the movie theater. She was like, twist, we're seeing a kissing movie. And (laughs) she brought me to see my big fat Greek wedding, and I loved it so much. And I used to be able to recite it uh, where it was like, I hadn't seen this movie in at least five years, but there were still like scenes that like triggered my brain of like, oh, I know exactly what's happening word by word, even though I still know it as a nine or 10 year old would. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I loved it. I used to, my favorite use of this movie, like when I was like young and then like going into early teenager was whenever I watched a scary movie because I was really not good with them when I was young we'd be like well I'll watch a scary movie but we have to watch my big fat Greek wedding afterwards because I could never be afraid after watching that movie (laughs) gotta cleanse the palate makes me feel very safe that's a beautiful story that's a lot of beautiful (laughs) beautiful stories stories, around this and then comes mine oh no (laughs) no it's not but um a sure way to get me to have no interest in a movie is to put either wedding or bride or princess or something along those lines in the title. I did see this movie. I don't think I saw it in the theater, but I saw it within, I think, a year of it coming out. But it was only that one time, and I didn't rewatch it again until, like, yesterday. The one thing I remembered from it was the Windex. Yes. Because my my mom had the same thing. She didn't, like, spray your injuries with Windex. But (laughs) the only cleaning product that she would use on anything ever all the time whether it was like a glass surface which is what it's supposed to be for if it was wood if it was tile if it was carpet any like brick works for most things she would use windex so that was my main connection to to the movie but yeah i remember thinking oh this is cool And and i remember at the time there was all this kind of publicity news around it about it being this indie film that made so much money at the box office budget five million box office 368 million yeah i think it's the highest grossing romantic comedy of all time or at least it was it had been yeah i don't know if i was trying to read up about it i i'm still not clear if anything has beat it since then but yeah it was a huge box office hit and everyone's like hey you can make an indie movie and it'll be a great hit and i was like i can't wait to apply this to my film career in a few years (laughs) but Anyway, so I didn't have any sort of attachment to it growing up. So there's my history. I forgot. I also saw this movie the year before I made my first friend who had Greek parents. And she was like, she loved this movie. And she was just thrilled to have like a benchmark of like, you know, like my big fat Greek wedding. I was like, oh, because otherwise I wouldn't have. I just knew (laughs) about Irish people screaming at each other. (laughs) Yeah, it was. There were so many things that, like, then I would get asked, like the spitting, for example. Like, do people oh, really yeah. spit on each other, or like, do they though? It's like it's 
the answer is that it's not it's like a symbol no one is actually spitting saliva it's just yeah. like you make the sound of like t-t-t. Uh-huh. like right. and then it's like a symbolic thing got it wait i want to say one more thing which is that the first time i saw this movie was when we were visiting my family in Greece for the summer, and I saw it in an outdoor movie theater in Greece, like during the summer. Whoa. Whoa. So it was like, but what was funny about it was that because like the audience was, I mean, it's kind of like how Crazy Rich Asians bombed in China. Like mm-hmm. Greek people don't relate to like the Greek American story. Like right. it, sure. it's not, so people were like very lukewarm about it around me when I saw it in the movie theater. And then mm. people were also kind of like, this is offensive. I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it is my favorite movie. Yeah. But did you have like relatives or people you knew that, that that found it offensive towards Greek people? I mean, the thing is like, okay, even like my family is not really like the family that's portrayed in the movie. And it's sure. mostly because like we had this weird childhood where we kind of moved back and forth and actually like maintained a lot of contact with Greece the country and we like spoke Greek at home and I think that also made us less prone to like kind of bring Greece with us to America because we were like we we have a connection to it like we go there Mm -hmm. like twice a year so we were we never had like you know Greek statues like in our home or like we we didn't like your garage door wasn't the Greek right exactly or like (laughs) or like for instance they go to Greek school in the movie but like we spoke Greek at home and it so that was Uh, never mm -hmm. like a thing that we did But at the same time, I was in spaces like when we would go to church and stuff where I would absolutely recognize like the types of people that were portrayed in the movie. So I would say I related to it on a more superficial level than Mm -hmm. maybe someone else who was like a second generation Greek American that was like, Mm -hmm. you know, born and raised in Chicago or New York or something. Um, But I still very much recognize all the characters. And I, I think what Greek people maybe responded poorly to was just that like it was kind of exaggerating all the most funny parts of Greek culture. Mm -hmm. And I do think that, like, if Greek people faced more discrimination, then, yes, I could be convinced that it's, like, problematic. But I Mm -hmm. feel like, ultimately... They don't, so like it's okay for me to laugh at these things because it's not like they're perpetuating some like extremely harmful stereotype that's like affecting Greek people in like sure right the world. That's what's tricky with this was like I just truly I wasn't familiar with any Greek stereotypes, and this was my first encounter with anything Greek. Yeah, and then after this movie came out, we went to the Greek festival in Brockton, Massachusetts, every single year because we're like <laughs> loved that movie. Let's go. Let's get. <laughs> Greatly, I don't know. Like, we would just do it afterwards. But it was, like, unlike a lot of movies that turn up stereotypes, I wasn't even familiar with the stereotypes. It was, like, tricky. Even watching this, I was like, I don't I don't know. I'm assuming it's probably a little offensive and over the top. But, like, I don't know. I feel like what is kind of stereotypically known about Jewish families and Italian families also Mm -hmm. sort of applies to Greek families in that there's a lot of focus on food and like family gatherings and stuff like that. That's (laughs) Yeah, I think about this a lot because so many people, obviously that's like such a common comparison of like Jewish families, Italian families, and Greek families. But then there's also like more broadly speaking, like immigrant families, like sometimes, you know, whatever. And then there's like, you know, I mean, I was mentioning before, like Indian families, there's, you can make comparisons there. And I feel like ultimately what the separation actually is, is between literally wasps and everyone else. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, I actually think that there's more of a difference between wasps and non-wasps than there is between like, and I'm not saying this in terms of like systemic discrimination. I'm saying this in terms of just like family culture. Mm -hmm. I genuinely think there's like more of a difference there than between like, 
a Greek family and an Italian family and a Jewish family and, and so on and so mm-hmm. on. Right. That yeah. tracks for me. Yeah. And wa- I mean, <laughs> wasps uh, in this movie do not come up too well. Oh, they're Ian's parents. Nor yeah. should they. But it was like, there was what was that scene where Ian's mom is like screaming in someone's face, like, it's a bunt cake. Was, I was yeah. like, what is wrong with you? Yeah. That whole scene to me was very weird because it's like, you have that overreaction, and then you cut to the aunt, and she's like, I consumed my twin in the womb. And you're like, why is this coming up? That used to be my favorite part, but I was like, this is fucking tonally very strange. Yeah. Oh, I love this movie. Well, shall I do the recap? Yeah, let's okay. do it. So we meet Tula. My dad uh, used to be in love with a woman named Tula. Oh, My cute. mom's name is not Tula. <laughs> Wild. So Tula, played by Nia, is it Vardalos? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, who also wrote the movie. We get to know her a little bit as a young child, growing up as like a second generation Greek woman in a suburb of Chicago, um, has a huge Greek family, and they put a lot of pressure on her to get married to specifically a Greek man as soon as possible. She works in the family restaurant, and, um, you know, she's not really happy with her life. She feels kind of stuck. She's, and, and it's like the whole thing is like, she's 30. Yeah. She's well, she's, she's they, on her deathbed. Like, she's way past her expiration date. Is she's wearing a big said. sweater. It's just like, oh, no. Yeah, she's wearing glasses, which is code for, code for you just unfuckable. Cannot fuck. I didn't, I forgot how over the top Tula 1.0 was. Oh, <laughs> I was like, oh yeah. my god, yeah. she is just head to toe. In- All neutral. <laughs> She's <laughs> wild. So she works at the family restaurant and one day a... Oh, uh, also Joey Fatone's her relative. Joey Fatone is her cousin. We meet her mom is and her he- dad, uh, her sister brother, a couple of her cousins, a couple of her aunts and uncles. Really quick, is Joey Fatone Greek? He's Italian. Because he's doing an Italian accent. Also. I mean, a lot of a lot of people in the cast are Italian. Okay. <laughs> I was just like, hold on, Joey Fatone. As thrilled as I am to see him anywhere... He's doing a pasta meatball accent. What is he doing? <laughs> Anyways. Uh, yeah, so we we meet different members of her family. You know, she's just like, ugh, everyone wants me to get married. And then this guy comes into the restaurant one day. Is he hot? He is handsome. <sighs> he's not for Ish. me. I don't know. I, I mean, I'm not. I, whatever. He's, I mean, he's Aiden. <laughs> exactly. He's, and oh, you're just like, I was never an thing. Aiden yeah. gal. Okay. I just, I don't know. Right. Couldn't do um, it. Good anyway, fan. so he's fine. Um, but she, he's his hair is too long in this that's movie. That's my problem. Exact yeah. issue. Yeah. <laughs> well, the important it, thing is, yes. she finds him attractive. Correct. She does. Tula does. So right now she has glasses. What's she gonna do? And she sees him, and she's just like smitten. She's hiding behind stuff. She hides. Yeah, she loves hiding. <laughs> Classic. She's crouching Tula. down. Whether she's hot or not, she's hiding behind <laughs> large objects. Yes. So then she starts to get her life together, and she enrolls in computer classes at a a local college because she wants to help the restaurant run more efficiently. Um, She gives herself a little makeover, Mm -hmm. and uh, then she starts working at her aunt's travel agency. Yes. After that scene where she advocates for herself, says, hi, I can turn on a computer. (laughs) I would like to work here. (laughs) 
And her aunt says, okay. And then the aunt, the mom, and Tula have to all convince the dad it was his idea. They have to incept him. Yes. Yes. Which is, was fun to watch. And that's how Christopher Nolan got the idea for Inception. He watched that scene. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, so then a short time later, she crosses paths with this guy again who she uh, thought was so handsome. And his name is Ian, and he asks her out on a date. He also gets punched by an old lady. He gets the shit Funny. beat out of him. <laughs> Funny. Because he was goofing around. I He's... see that scene. I'm laughing. <laughs> Sorry. Um, and then Tula and Ian start dating. And for the first time in a long time, she's happy. But her family doesn't know about this relationship. Because uh, he's not Greek. Because he's not Greek. And uh, when her mom and dad find out that she has been dating this non-Greek man, they throw a fit. And they want her to stop seeing him. But they're all like, no, we're in love. We're not going to stop seeing each other. Mm-hmm. And then and then you see him at the school. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, okay, he is handsome. <laughs> for some reason once i saw him teaching well like, he was wearing glasses was that what was did it that for maybe you? that's what it was even though we've already been told that glasses equals not fuckable but <laughs> that rule doesn't apply to men right <laughs> <Yeah>. forgot <laughs> meanwhile her family's trying to set her up with a greek man and all of those candidates are not appealing to tula then she meets Ian's parents, and they are they very suck. bland and very waspy and pretty racist. And yeah. <laughs> um, then Ian asks her to marry him, and she's like, yes, please, sign me up. Mm-hmm. And Tula's dad is distraught by this because he's like, I thought she would get married in a Greek Orthodox church, and she can't do that if she marries a non-Greek. So then he converts, basically, like, gets baptized. They get him to the Greek. <laughs> <laughs> How Sorry. long were you waiting to I make thought that joke? I thought I'd drink at 10 a.m. And <laughs> it's like when his family is in the church and like, it's all Greek to me. And then, and then the mom's like, oh, my God, stop it, Rodney. Rodney. Stop You're Rodney. crazy. <laughs> You're wild for this one, Rodney. Oh, so he's getting his head dunked in a, an inflatable kiddie pool. Fun. And very fun. Seeing it, I'm laughing. <laughs> And then the family starts to accept Ian for who he is. They like his hair. They like his hair. They celebrate Easter with him. They place some language barrier goofs on him. And they start planning the wedding. There's some scenes with some invitations and some bridesmaids gowns. The brother also starts going to night school. Because mm-hmm, he wants to be an artist. We love that. Yeah. because yeah. yes. And Tula inspired him. Mm-hmm. Um then they invite Ian's parents over so that the families can meet each other, and that's the whole, like, bunt cake scene. It's eventually, it's the day of the wedding, and it's I mean, the wedding kind of just happens. Yeah. yeah. The wedding happens, and... Not much goes wrong at the wedding. Mm-mm. No. And I just get to watch a nice wedding at the end. Yeah. And then uh, they're at the reception, and there's dancing, and everyone's having a good time. And then we flash forward... She, she gets ha- pregnant she, right away. Right away. Well, also her parents get her a gift. Oh, right. Which they a house. buy her yes. a house. But the twist is, it's, it's right next, next door. <laughs> also, dad accepts Ian. Uh-huh. Uh, sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and it's one big happy family. And then she's like, hey, daughter, who's six years old, you can marry anyone you want. 
the end. As long as you get married. Yep. <laughs> and, and she has to go to Greek school. So they and are keep, to to... They're like keeping the tradition alive. Yes, yes, indeed. So that is the movie. Let's take a quick break and then we'll come right back. Okay. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Looking for a fabulous fashion brand that celebrates you? Then look no further than Boston Proper, where styles are designed with you in mind. So you can look and feel amazing, no matter the day, season, or occasion. At bostonproper.com, you'll find fashion that knows you best. For over 30 years, Boston Proper has been the fashion destination for confident women who want to elevate their look with unique, sophisticated clothing at affordable prices. Visit bostonproper.com today. Boston Proper. Wear it like no one else. I'm late. I'm late. Very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com and we're back. Oh, what a what a time we've had. <laughs> we were doing, we were dunking each other. We were baptizing I, each yeah. other. Yeah. My big thing with this movie is that the movie feels like it's being set up where Tula seems like she's being somewhat critical of her culture, where it's like, oh. All these expectations are being foisted upon me that are fairly archaic and sexist, where it's like, oh, you as a woman, there's three things that are expected of you. Marry a man, have babies, and then make food for all of those people. And it feels like, okay, this is going to be – because I didn't really remember what the story was about, although wedding is in the title, so I did sort of remember that there was a wedding. But I, like, couldn't totally remember – how much she like challenged the status quo kind of thing and right. it and it sets it up in the beginning where it's she seems like she's being critical of these standards and you know she doesn't feel that it's fair that all these family members are expecting her to get married and all this stuff but then she meets a guy and the whole rest of the movie is focused on her relationship to this man and her ultimately fulfilling these expectations that were foisted upon her. Right. So that, I feel like... So how do we feel about that? <laughs> I, I don't... There, this movie... Okay. I remembered lots of scenes by heart. I didn't remember the exact arc of the movie like mm-hmm. as it pertains to how we're watching it this time i don't know i mean there was a good five minutes in this movie where i'm like this is good this is we're going in the right direction where there i i thought that there was sorry for making a horrible noise with my mouth just then i thought that the makeover scene was going to bug me more mm-hmm. than it did the reason it did not bother me 
that much, even though, you know, it is whatever we can dig into like, oh, the more conventionally attractive you appear, the happier you must be. Mm. Sure. But at least I didn't remember that the makeover was motivated by her and her wanting to do something for herself, which I appreciated. And it was like a part of a package deal of stuff she did not to impress a guy, even though we see that they met before. Mm -hmm. But from what my understanding of it is, she does it because she wants to. And she's like, I want to learn how to turn on a computer. Right. And her dad's like, this is a, the the women have gone too far. They're turning on computers now. Is drugs downtown? (laughs) Yeah. yeah, My favorite line. It's drugs downtown. <laughs> and then she, I mean, she does take her glasses off. We have what I think is an egregiously long scene trying to get a contact. She's like, literally, how do contacts work? Um, <laughs> I need to take a computers and contact seminar. <laughs> <laughs> we see her at the seminar. And, and so at very least, it's not a Princess Diaries thing. It's not a she's all that thing. It's, you know, she does, Tula does a glow up that spans across all areas of her life mm-hmm. that's motivated for her to yeah. make her feel more comfortable at where she's at. So that I appreciate. I had the same read on it, although part of me was like, oh, this all happens after she sees this guy for the first time. So it made me wonder, like, was that the catalyst that gets her to be like, I've got to get my life together so that he might be interested in me if I ever see him again. But the movie doesn't necessarily do anything specific to suggest that's what's happening. Maybe that's just, that was the chronological order of the events of the story. But I couldn't help but think, okay, it's not until she sees him that she starts to like, whip her life into shape kind of thing but I did agree uh, that like the makeover it seems to be more that she gives herself a makeover because she just wants to look different or you know to give her look a little boost to make herself more confident thing right because usually makeovers in movies like this like the, the ones you mentioned it's something that's thrust upon a woman by other people and it's usually so that she can be they're usually like, you need to look better, usually to be more attractive to men. And it's also so. not so extreme of a makeover that you're like, whoa. Like, she definitely looks different, mm-hmm. but it's not like a Anne Hathaway whipping around and it looks like a different person. Right. And she doesn't act that differently after it happens. I don't know. It, it This was like one of the movies that we've talked about that there's a makeover sort of that didn't super bother me same george what's I, I feel like it's it's there's almost like a narrative of like a delayed or a prolonged adolescence kind of and like her makeover is is almost like just the experience that anyone would go through when they're like going to college kind of like mm. it's like she's been stuck in this almost like prolonged i don't want to say prolonged high school experience it's very condescending but but like She's been kind of like in the orbit of her family and no one else. Because she still lives at home. Still lives at home. You know, she still works with her family, whatever. And, you know, she has kind of put off like trying anything outside her comfort zone. Mm -hmm. So I think it, I mean, the physical makeover is just kind of like the easiest way to denote the fact that she is like taking risks and like putting herself out there. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, there's kind of like a really interesting tug of war in the movie where she's kind of figuring out how much of her past and her culture she wants to hang on to and how much of it she's like okay you know straying from right mm-hmm. and i think it toes that line pretty well i mean 
there's like this scene, for example, where she's like finally eating like a bland sandwich with the blonde girls. Yeah, right. But then it's so she's like trying that out. But then it's like at the end, she still decides she wants to be a part of the, you know, Greek community. Mm -hmm. So it's which I think is like there's no correct way to portray that journey. Right. Um, And I think she does a very good job, in my opinion. Mm hmm. And the fact that her little like makeover confidence boost that she's giving herself coincides with the fact that she's also furthering her education and like wanting to learn a new and skill. And changing her job. And, yeah. Like, yeah. She's like changing her life. That's right. why it wasn't like take off the glasses, you're a new person. Yeah. This was like, oh, she's like just doing some work on herself. Mm-hmm. I admire that. Also, just in terms of like the representation of the women in the film, like that entire part of the movie where it's basically like the three women like her her mom and her aunt kind of like devising this plan i thought was like oh yes. really well done i want to talk about that scene because oh we mentioned this in the recap but the whole thing is that tula wants to work at her aunt's travel agency yes. but she knows that her dad being like the patriarch and the head of the household won't go for it unless he thinks he's come up with the idea. So the three of them get together like, okay, we need to incept him. First of all, it's really funny the way that like the aunt especially is acting. She's like so rehearsed (laughs) and like a robot. She like does not know how to improvise. She needs to take a UCB class or something. But uh, so that that seems really funny. And then we as the audience, we're let in on the the secret where the dad kind of looks like an idiot because he's like, yes, it's my idea and you needed a man all along for me to figure out this really smart thing that I came up with and then we are like teehee he's actually an idiot because they already came up with this idea I Um, loved that mm -hmm, I enjoyed that too and that came after I believe you see Tula's mom and dad have they have several scenes together and in most of them Tula's mom ends up taking the dad down to I don't know what 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 phrase am I searching for? Takes him down a notch. Takes him down a notch. (laughs) I'm sorry. Hi, I'm a fucking idiot. Uh, Women shouldn't be educated. Right. Uh, But their first scene when Tula, a 30-year-old woman, wants to take a computer class and her dad's like, she'll die if she leaves the house. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it makes the comment about this is why women should get an education. It's out of control. And the mom immediately snaps at him and says, what? You don't think that, that I'm as smart as you? I run the restaurant for you. I raised kids for you. I ran the house for you. And I teach Sunday school. <laughs> right. I was like, oh, the mic drop on the yeah. Sunday school. Lucky I have you to tie my shoes. Yes. Oh, so good. And yeah. so, and and then later she and Tula have that scene where, what's the line the mom says? Where she's like, oh, well, sure, the man's the head of the But house. the woman is the neck. The woman is and the she neck. can turn the head mm-hmm. any way she wants. And we see her do that a bunch of times. Yeah. We're like, Which I I do enjoy, but then also part of me, especially with the scene where they're incepting the dad, I came away from that sort of frustrated in addition to, I don't know, I had conflicting feelings about it because I was like, well, he thinks he's smart, but actually, you know, they've tricked him. But I was frustrated because they're sort of like encouraging and still upholding this status quo of allowing him to think he has control over everything and there's a part of me that like wants a scene like that to play out where Tula just marches up to her dad and she's like, yeah, hey, I'm going to like work at this travel agency because that's what I want to do because I know computers, I can do whatever the fuck I want. Right. But that's not the dynamic of their family. But also, I don't know, like, I feel like 
more could have been done by her to like challenge these norms but yeah. I, don't, I feel like they do a really good job of showing how kind of like regressive views can coexist with mm. people being empowered within those structures kind mm-hmm. of and I mean as much as it is very much kind of like a formulaic romantic comedy in its mm-hmm. plot I think they avoid a lot of kind of like empowerment cliches while also like effectively telling an empowering narrative I mean to some extent we can discuss like what the details are but like I feel like she's like with every conflict that happens she slowly becomes more empowered in her own in like advocating for herself mm-hmm. yeah so that at the end it's like when he for instance asks her to marry him she doesn't hesitate she's like I will do this no matter if my family likes it or not yeah I don't know that scene did work for me and and obviously like I w- would have loved for Tula to to go to her dad and say this is what I want to do but in terms of you know portraying how this specific family works I found that scene helpful yeah. because we had already sort of gotten that indication about the comment about the head and the neck from the mom and then we got to see it in action of like oh the women are in charge but because of how the men in this family were raised and how they behave they need to feel like they're in charge how can you get something done and thrive and exist within that structure? So yeah. it's not challenging the structure, but it was yeah. helpful for me to see how that worked. Also, mm-hmm. the idea of someone like making that kind of speech to their dad and then like storming out is kind of like a very American idea. And it's a very like yeah. kind of Hollywood. I, and I think it's actually more tricky and more interesting to watch people like navigate those waters without you know, like, fully alienating their family. Right. Because, like, the structure of the family in Greek culture is much stronger than, like, individual, you know, will or ambition often. Sure. And, I mean, you know, we can debate the merits of that. <laughs> but <laughs> but, I, but I think it, like, it shows the specificity of those family dynamics is there for a reason. And right. I, they, I'm sure that, like, she thought of doing a scene like that but, like, didn't, specifically to show like how the family is anyway right yeah i mean i'm frustrated like because i see a scene like that and i'm like just why can't you just say what you want and then like tell your family to fuck off but that's just because i come from a family where i'm like if i don't like you fuck off and see you never again but i understand that that doesn't work for every yeah but i will (laughs) say i mean something that i found to be something that i had mixed feelings about was like the families and the father specifically views on education because i actually think you know, in my experience, Greek people do value education. And it's a little difficult for me to imagine, you know, a father trying to prevent his daughter from going to college. I feel like that was maybe exaggerated a little bit to to make the conflict mm-hmm. more intense. Although, although I'm sure I can think of counterexamples of people I know. Um, but that was the only thing where I was like, of all the kind of like exaggerated stereotypes, mm-hmm. that was the one thing that like slightly bothered me because I was like, oh, I don't, I don't want people to think Greek people are like like don't want women to be educated. Like, right, <laughs> he's like that's a bold stand. Oh, yeah. He's pretty overboard on his yeah. sexism. Where he, yeah, he's like down. he's like it's a mistake to educate women. And then in a separate scene, he says, "Oh, she's smart enough. She doesn't need to go to more school." Yeah. And it's like I do think it's played for humor in a way that works in the context of the movie. And mm-hmm. I also think that like as much as you know, you want to see like the person who's prejudiced be like defeated. Every family has people who you know are going to say things like that and everyone kind of agrees that you're going to roll your eyes and like 
you know, ultimately they're harmless. Like, right. And, you know, yes, it's not a perfect world, but like that just is the case. And like when you're depicting a family, there are going to be people like that. Yeah. That was the the dad character threw me a few different times where it reminded me a little bit of uh, Royal Tenenbaum. Ever heard Whoa. of him? Whoa. Well, where it's <laughs> get ready, Jamie's about to draw a little parallel. Uh, but in in terms of a father figure character who says and does a lot of things that are you know, shit outwardly shitty mm-hmm. to his family. But the way he's presented, it's like, oh, but this is just it's silly. It's it's presented like this is funny, right? And and at times it's like presented to make him look dumb mm-hmm. because his wife can manipulate him whenever she wants and she's smarter than him and we know that. Right. But my thing was like how that arc ends for Royal Tenenbaum and for this character is like there's never really quite a moment of reckoning for him where he has to say like oh maybe the way I was viewing this was incorrect like as far as he'll go is to accept a man into his family there's no mm-hmm. real and and then we're sort of led to believe well the conflict between him and his daughter is resolved now and it's like well he was calling her ugly and old and like that she would shouldn't <laughs> like we don't really I, I would I think it could have been useful and interesting to have a scene with with them by the end yeah. where he even if it's like you know it doesn't need to be in a an overwritten like you've learned i yes queen like it doesn't have to be <laughs> you've that you've taught me so much daughter yeah but i mean just even like some acknowledgement right. of you know however that that would be written i was like oh, cuz cuz most of the family i feel like you do get that journey with with the mom and the aunt and we get to know them and we see them kind of in action and and they change right but then i don't know that i felt like the dad could have that character could have been especially because like i mean the first line that's spoken in the movie is him saying you better get married soon you're starting to look old and then her voiceover (laughs) comes in he says that several times and then her voiceover comes in and she says my dad has been saying that to me since i was 15 because nice greek girls are supposed to do three things in life marry greek boys make greek babies and feed everyone until the day we die so this is like where i you know i heard this i'm like oh this is going to be a movie where she's like challenging the status quo and then that like doesn't happen as much to my liking but this is also a movie from 2002 so you know you can't have everything you want and then there's also there's other moments that i feel like could have been challenged more where like her brother nico is i think one year younger than tula and nico's all like oh dad i'm gonna marry someone soon and then the dad's like you got plenty of time and then meanwhile tula who's only a year older than her brother they're like you look old as hell and you're gonna die alone if you don't get married fucking yesterday and i mean well that's really intentional right that's like the joke right yeah i know no 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 sorry sorry (laughs) jesus but like i just mean that like (laughs) sounds like you need to take a seminar I just feel like that I I think I just want to see things challenged more than is realistic for me to expect of movies but um you know maybe I'm just like being overly um I'm giving it a very generous reading I I do feel like in every scene there is that tension like there are certain things that are under challenge but they are like explored in a way where like the audience can like come to those conclusions if that makes sense like without there being like confrontation after confrontation yeah but then again you know that's just like 
from me, you know, being a generous uh, viewer of the of the movie. But I don't know. The Nico character is actually interesting to me because I think you could read it as him being coded semi queer because <laughs> there's like mm. him wanting to be an art like there are certain like trigger words where I was like obviously this is like me reading too much into it, but I was like this is like an interesting mini arc to add to this movie from and I know that Nia Vardalos is like like a huge kind of like being a queer ally is like a very big part of her like identity as a celebrity and like mm. after she made this movie like when she finally got a chance to make a big budget movie she literally mm. made a drag queen movie with Tony Collette which oh, yeah. like ended up I still not seen it's, it. it's not I mean <laughs> it ended up not doing great but <laughs> but anyway there there were and there were like I feel like there were many kind of things like that that were coded in a way that maybe I didn't understand at the time when I was watching the movie but now I'm like just like the way the female characters are written are very kind of like larger than life, like almost like diva characters. Yeah. Um, and even just like the casting, it's like they're like made to be kind of like worse. I don't know. And- Andrea Martin and Lainey Kazan are just so good in it. Um, where was I going with this? Oh, yeah. Nico, I I do feel like there are many ways to read his his arc sure and then i mean he didn't need that like tiny little subplot like that didn't need to be in the movie but the fact that like it was put there i loved it yeah Yeah, it was interesting just like the going through the trouble to really flesh out this family that as as much as it seems like it's you know like turned up to an 11 the the existing stereotypes it's like going back and having like no he's not just like a meathead and we plant the seed of like look dad i drew on the menu he's like i don't care and he's like get back to work son <laughs> and then later he's like i'm going to art school and i was like you know that yeah. i i, I liked those mini journey. I feel like Andrea Martin's character had a bit of a journey herself where by the end she can accept vegetarians into her life maybe. <laughs> like there's everyone had a little I don't know. I I'm I know I'm going to give this movie a break in every oh, possible sure. turn. Well, I'm here to be the one to be like <laughs> um excuse me. <laughs> but I do think that the central like I, the central problem of this movie I really love of like just the question of like how can I live my life as I want to? How far can I push that and still be able to have my family in my life? Mm-hmm. That's so, yeah, that's like and my culture. I've it's like a cultural right. thing, too. like yeah. Like can it can it be both sure. ways? I think where the movie lands on that question is kind of ambiguous and maybe not enough of what Tula wants but right well that like it's an ambiguous thing what you were saying before George about there being a balance between like the movies presenting things and it's not like slapping us in the face with them and it's kind of like letting the audience like make our own kind of judgment calls on these things I feel like would have worked better if it had ended slightly differently because the end of the movie feels like the thesis statement about the whole thing which is when she's talking to her six-year-old daughter and her daughter's like mom do I have to go to Greek school and she's like yes but I'll promise you this you can marry anyone you want like that's the thesis statement of the movie but I feel like because it's so much emphasis of what she's saying right then and throughout the whole movie being about her marrying this like non-Greek guy I don't know. I just, I guess, I just wanted I, to see more of like her burgeoning career or her something I agree. else. I, I think that the, like the the what it came down to at the end, I was like, whoa, how did that movie end that way so easily? And I think what it is is we at the beginning, besides like we don't really know outside of 
wanting a life of her own outside of her family. We don't really know what Tula wants out of her life. Mm-hmm. And that is never made super clear to us before she meets the guy. And so then I think from there, because we never found out, uh, like whatever ambiguous goal, we see her do things that seems like she's taking steps towards something, but we don't know what that is. Right. And so once she meets the guy, then it's like, oh, well, the relationship is the central thing now. And we kind of lose seeing her at the job. We sort of lose, the like it, everything else sort of falls away. And then the movie lands on like, but she can do exactly what her parents wanted to, but with a wasp instead, right? So she can marry a a man and make half Greek babies and make food for those, which is an act of rebellion on her part. Sure. But the fact that it still focuses on her relationship to a man so much is where I feel like the movie could have gone and that and it's like if that had been one of her many journeys where she's if she's if the movie's about her sort of kind of reinventing herself and figuring out who she wants to be as this person in this family within this culture mm-hmm. but also in the US and like you know in the modern times of 2002 like it could have been yeah i want to this is my lifelong dream because she even says in the movie yeah she goes to that seminar of tourism plus computers but she says that before that, where she's combo. like, I'm not going to pretend like I've always wanted to work in a travel agency, but please hire me. So, like, yeah, we don't know what she wants to do in What if we don't know? I don't career. know if she knows. Really. Oh, does, right. she, does she say it? Yeah, she says something. She's like, uh, I'm not going to pretend like I've always wanted to work in tourism, but, like. Oh, she just weird. wanted to get out of the restaurant. Right. Well, I, I don't know, like, the right way to say this, but I feel like I would push back a little bit on, like, kind of like desiring a traditional self-empowerment narrative just because I do feel like that's kind of a a very American thing. And the only thing I mean by that is that like essentially if you accept the fact that like when you are living within a family that's like very tight-knit and very kind of like its own world, then in fact going from being a seating hostess at the restaurant to going to being basically like the manager of the travel agency within the various like within this network of family Uh businesses, Mm -hmm. that actually – that is that's enough. a huge thing like I, yeah. I and, and i don't know if that's settling i think it's like finding your place in the family community right that and a place that works for you rather than a place that has been determined by your parents and and i i totally get that and and that works for me my point is more like from a narrative point of view where like her moving over to, it's like going to the classes and then moving to the job at the travel agency that kind of tapers off story-wise after a while, and then the focus of the story right. is all about the man. So right. yeah, I, I, I feel the same way. I don't know. I it's tricky because it's like my favorite part of that character is watching her be like, "No, fuck it. I'm gonna, you know, I'm going to continue to be on good terms with my family. I'll be mostly honest with them, but I'm doing this, this, and this, mm-hmm. and you know, this is what I'm doing." And but kind of narratively that serves to get her to the relationship right and then it kind of goes away right yeah um let's take a quick break and we'll come back to discuss more stuff 
Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Do you love fashion? Do you love getting compliments on how well you're dressed? Are you always seeking the latest trends? Then we're talking to you. BostonProper.com is your fashion destination and the only place to go for all those nods, head turns, and new styles. No matter the day, season, or occasion, Boston Proper has what you're looking for. Sophisticated, confident clothing designed to flatter and get noticed. So visit BostonProper.com now and start creating your perfect wardrobe. Boston Proper. Wear it like no one else. I'm late. I'm late. Three very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from undercover tourists. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from undercover tourists and authorized seller and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with undercover tourists now and save. UndercoverTourist.com and we're back. Hi. Hi. How's everyone feeling? Oh, I feel so good. So good. <laughs> it's my big fat Greek. Oh, did everyone watch the TV show? My big fat Greek it, life. No. Not good. I like tried to watch the first episode, and then I haven't watched like the mo- the sequel to the movie, which came out a couple years ago. My mom and my sister watched it and mm. did not enjoy it. It was like not on my radar at all when it came out. What, like two years ago or yeah. something. My mom, I remember my mom made a big deal of my big fat Greek life coming out uh, on TV, and then she she was so upset. Aww. She was like, "This isn't Jill. the movie." And- yeah, and they also <laughs> recast some of the like main roles. I can't remember who it was. They recast her husband. That's yeah, yeah. It wasn't John Corbett. Yeah, there yeah. you go. So so that was. I actually distinctly remember watching that and being supremely disappointed. Although I was telling Jamie that I recently watched Neverdalus's adaptation of Cheryl Strayed's Book of Dear Sugar columns at the public in New York, which she, like, adapted, and then she plays Dear Sugar in the play. And it's basically, Mm -hmm. like, her in her living room wearing, like, pajamas, and then, like, she'll get, like, an email ding, and then someone will come in and, like, read a question, and then she will basically, (laughs) like, act out as though she's, like, thinking of the answer in real time. So she'll be like... (laughs) Dear Unlucky in Love. Oh, my God. <laughs> was it good? Um, it was de- – no, no. It, it was like a critic's pick in the New York Times. It, was, it like, did well. They and, loved and, it. Yeah, it's not, it's not like – I feel like it could have been such a disaster based on my description of it. <laughs> um, I do think that, like, of course it's going to fall into some cliches because it's literally like acting out an advice column. Mm-hmm. But she did a, a good job with it, and I did cry. Oh, <laughs> I'm glad Mia's thriving. Yeah, it was, like, cool. I mean, it, and it's, like, I feel like she had creative control over it. It was at the public, which is really cool. Yeah. It, it, it was, like, a. I feel like it was a, a great thing for her. Nice. <laughs> Go Mia. Go Mia. <laughs> is it still running? Is it over? No, no. This was, like, uh, maybe, like, a year ago. Oh, mm. no. Yeah. Okay, well, maybe she'll tour with it. Um, there's a scene I wanted to talk about. It's right after Tula's family has found out about her relationship with Ian. Mm-hmm. And Ian is at her house and talking to her dad and saying, like, you want me to ask if I can date your daughter? She's 30 years old. And the, da- the dad's like, yes, I'm the head of this house. And Ian's like, 
okay, can I date your daughter? And the dad's like, no. 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 And then Ian walks wow. away, says to Tula, I'll see you tomorrow. And she's like, see you tomorrow. And it's just like, that was like a nice act of defiance on like both of their parts where they're yeah. like, yeah, I'm not going to listen to the dad and yeah. we're going to still keep wants- fucking. <laughs> I like Ian's character whilst I would not personally fuck him. <laughs> I, I sort of forgot. I was like, oh, I don't, you know, because with rom-coms, it's so dicey in terms of who you're getting Oof. and how yeah. they treat you. But I thought that Ian character does pretty spectacularly well throughout the movie where you know it would have been so easy to to make it be like when he finds out that she was his waitress at the greek restaurant for him to be like oh or like that was you right like that would be so tropey and silly but but the way that plays out is she's embarrassed of her culture and her past uh-huh. at the beginning, and she calls herself like from girl, girl, which right. is like oh, my heart. And <laughs> he's like, I don't remember from girl, but I, I remember, remember you. you. And you're like, oh. <laughs> he yeah, he does. is. He is kind of like just does the right thing at every turn. And yeah. He also like there there isn't any scene where he's he's doesn't like in any way fetishize the wrong word, but there's no scene where he's like your family is like spicy. Like there's nothing like that. Right. Like, it, right. He like whatever. His family does that. Yeah, his, his parents fa- are yeah. like. But, he, he, but he, his parents are interesting too because again, it, obviously they're such exaggerated. Like, well, are they? I don't know. Bunt cake. <laughs> We've all met <laughs> right. people like that. Yes. Um, but I do feel like at the end of the day, they are written with compassion. I mean, well, I Ian. I mean, compare him to like Almost Benjamin Bratt's character from Miss Congeniality, oh, who's just like yeah. negging Sandra Bullock the whole time, and then like we've got this like he's an intellectual, he's an educator, you know, yeah. he's like this just like sweet, nice guy who is maybe a little like too perfect, but although I mean, but for the purposes of this movie and yeah. wish fulfillment, he's great. And it's so often that we see in movies that it's a woman having to change everything about herself to please yeah. a man and to be accepted by a man. But in this movie, it's him who's making, like, compromise after compromise to the point where he's, like, getting baptized and, like, all this stuff. And it's never Tula being, like, you have to do this. He's, like, I'm willing to do this. It's on his terms. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think a line Uh. that he says is, like, I'll do whatever it takes to get your family to accept me. And then his friend... Played by the bald one. Played by uh, Nia's real life husband. Real life husband Ian Gomez. <laughs> Sorry, that was very weird. <laughs> <laughs> who now? Who now? They're divorced. But oh, oh no. the Shucks. bald one. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, but his friend Mike is all like, oh, "Her family has you by the short ones," which I guess means balls. Like she's yeah. got you by the balls. He like, sucks. Ball <laughs> yeah. yeah. And Ian's just like shrug, like I'm fine with it. So yeah, I really liked that. He's a sweetie pie. Yeah, I like sure him. Is. He's so sweet. He's almost boring, but I think in the story, like, it works. He's nice. If he was an asshole on top of it, the story would have been way harder to accomplish it because you know both of them have to compromise so much and and. I don't know. And she makes him laugh. I think, like, one of the reasons he likes her is that he, like, enjoys her sense of humor because in the beginning, whenever she, her, like, brain stops, whenever she's, like, first, like, at their table, yeah, um, she says something like, oh, look at me standing here like your own private Greek statue. And he's like, tee hee Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's no – I feel like there was a way to write the script where, like, he actually ignores her when she's, like, frumpy and then is into her and then realizes, like – 
oh, she was beautiful all along. Right. But actually, he was nice from the get-go. Yeah, he's like, you're a cut-up. Um, this restaurant is yeah. well-run. <laughs> also, isn't it funny? I was just thinking about this, like, okay, so this movie is written by a woman. Originally, they wanted to replace her, like, I read on Wikipedia that one of the actresses they were considering was Marissa Tomei, who's like, oh, okay. you know, mm-hmm. let's say, like, a whatever, like, more conventional Hollywood beauty or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. She ended up playing the role and then replacing her husband with someone hotter. So she, like, like mm-hmm. Nia replaced the male character with someone hotter <laughs> in the movie that she wrote, which I feel like is so completely the polar opposite of what would normally happen in like any rom com. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. I, I mean, the fact that she got to star in her own script is like huge. And she was also, I mean, this was like filmed when she was in her late 30s and it came out when she was 40. And yeah. like, this was her big debut, which is also like very unusual. Right. I mean, if you think about it, it really is. I mean, one of my favorite things about the movie is, like, its place in the culture. Like, the fact that Mm -hmm. literally a movie written by an unknown woman in her late 30s who is, like, normal looking Mm -hmm. then literally became, like, the highest grossing, like, romantic comedy of all time. (laughs) And, like, to have your debut be, like, in your late 30s. Anyway, it was just, like, I remember, like, the year after when she, like, hosted SNL and I was like, wow, this is, like, the biggest, like... You know, success story. As if I love story. I love it. It's almost as if sometimes movies about relatable people can relate yeah. to a large audience. Also, thank you, Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson, yeah. who yes. made the movie. I forgot that they made it happen. But kind of on that point of, you know, her not being, she's beautiful, but like not your typical Hollywood, you know, like super waifish standard of beauty um we see a bunch of different body types represented in this movie where Mm -hmm. like if you look at the scene where all the bridesmaids are in their gowns Mm -hmm. you see a pretty wide spectrum of women a lot of the female characters are middle-aged you know there's better representation of women's ages and body types you see women eating in this movie Mm -hmm. do you never get to see a woman eat a normal sized meal that makes sense and that happens a lot in this movie I'm always looking for women eating food in movies it gets me so excited (laughs) like oh look at them go one last quick thing I wanted to say was that in this movie a lot of the women you do see on screen and this is commented on but many of them are kind of portrayed as being nagging Mm -hmm. um, which is a common tropey thing that you see female characters do a lot nagging someone they die (laughs) right that is a line that is spoken aloud but then I got to thinking, well, are women ever actually nagging or are they just annoyed by all the emotional labor that they have to do to maintain a marriage and a household and like run a business and all of that stuff? So, And I also feel like, getting back to George, your point earlier, it's made clear through the narrative that the guys who are saying that are in the wrong and they come off looking silly having said it. Yeah. So, yeah, I I feel like the thing with, like, a story about, like, a Greek-American immigrant family is that I really do think it would have been so much different if it was from a male perspective. And I don't Mm. think I personally, like, as a preteen would have responded as well to, like, I don't know. I mean, what if it was, like, John Stamos is the main character and then, like, he, like, meets Megan Fox and, like, that's the, like, that literally would have been the equivalent. I'm asleep. But I feel like it was it was a realistic portrayal of a Greek family 
while providing enough commentary at any given time to kind of like give you just enough context for you to like understand what's happening. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Held up for <laughs> God, me. I'm like I'm being so I'm like reacting so poorly to like any criticism. Oh my God, no. That's why we're doing this. Yeah. I was personally really impressed and thrilled and happy that this movie I've seen five hundred times, but I was watching it for this reason for the first time. Mm-hmm. I was pleasantly surprised and pleased that it holds up, I feel like as well as it does. I still don't love the ending. I'm never gonna love the yeah. ending. Mm. But Having a rom-com, for all the reasons we discussed, that doesn't end, I mean, there's going to be a wedding. You show up, there's going to be a wedding. And the fact that she doesn't end up in a toxic relationship at the end of a rom-com is better than 90% of them do. <laughs> yeah. uh, and and so, I don't know. It, it held up for me. I'm going to continue to watch it after horror movies. <laughs> I recommend that to Every anyone. Halloween. You will be unscared. You'll be unscared if you watch this movie. Um, does anyone have any other final thoughts? There. Oh, there was one more scene yeah. with Mom and Tula I just wanted to mention. They have – this movie passes the Bechdel test. Yeah. Doi. But there's a few different scenes with Tula and Mom. And there's one where the scene the scene starts with Tula saying, "Is my marriage killing Dad?" And you're like, oh, "I don't love where this is starting." But then they have this great talk that I think again gives context for Greek culture that I didn't have, and is great for their relationship where the mom is describing how she grew up and why she and Tula's dad immigrated to America, and mm-hmm. then comes out with the banger of a line, "I gave you life so you could live it." And then that's, oh, I just got chills. Oh, I was crying. I was <laughs> crying, and I couldn't explain why I was at work. Uh, and then, oh, feminist icon Yaya comes in. She's oh. got a crown of flowers. How has she not come up? I love her. I, I, love I mean, her. that scene. Yeah, it's, and of course, you could argue that, like, I mean, that character is—it's literally like old woman funny. Like that right. is like character until that point. But it's like she seems to have dementia, and right. like maybe you should look after her more, yeah. family. But whatever. But it is. But she gets a moment. She gets a moment, and ultimately, every character is essentially like that. I mean, every character is a cartoon until they're not, except for right. you know maybe the the mom probably is honestly the most complex character in the whole movie um but every other character is like a cartoon until they have like a moment of being like humanized and i I also feel like i was kind of paying more attention to it for the first time on just like a structural level and i feel like it is like all these issues aside just narratively it like hits the right notes and it's kind of like Mm -hmm. if you want to write like a conventional Mm rom-com i feel like it should be taught in like that class like it does that make sense? That like, seminar, sure. if yeah. you will. Yeah, and that computers, <laughs> ro- computers and plus rom-coms. Plus. <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, this is like an example of a rom-com that doesn't, for the most part, reinforce harmful things and avoids a lot of the tropes of most rom-coms, but still is like, I don't know. Caitlin, it's going to be hard to talk me out of... Loving this movie and every, I just, it's, I love it. I think you're, you're absolutely allowed because I don't have quite the same attachment as the two of you have. I came at it with this more kind of critical, like, I mean, look at the voiceover at the end where she says something like, oh, sometimes I'm afraid that it didn't happen. It being her getting married. And Mm -hmm. she's like, I'm scared that I'll wake up and still be buttering garlic and waiting for my life to start. But it did happen. And, you know, I figured some stuff out. So she's all like 
oh, that thing that, you know, it didn't seem like she was that concerned about doing in the beginning. And it seemed like she was annoyed that her family was constantly pressuring her about it. That becomes the crux of what she apparently wanted all along. Well, but on her own terms. On her own terms, sure. Which I appreciate, of course. But like, again, I just, I was thinking it was going to go in a different direction based on the way it was set up where she's like, oh, my family won't stop pestering me about getting married and how dare they like inflict all these double standards on me that they're not putting on my brother and like mm. all this stuff but then she's like but I got married and now my life is awesome right. yeah I would say the voiceover bothered me more than like the actual ending that bothered you Jamie like <laughs> yeah. I feel like the voiceover was unnecessary but I also think that like it's almost like paying homage to like bad romantic comedy it's like and we're ending with a voiceover we're just like well guys now we're here <laughs> and here we are and i feel <laughs> like that, i feel like there is an element of that i think in like nia verdalos as a writer i mean even the fact that she like wanted to adapt advice columns into a stage play. Mm. like I, I think she has a little bit of that where she kind of like likes feel good She's a little basic. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Wrong. Yeah. I oh the last thing so if and and I do think it's like interesting that this movie for for me as well was paired with Bend it like Beckham often. Mm-hmm. I think that Bend it like Beckham I mean it's it's completely its own story. It's about soccer. But I I understand why they're paired together because there are some common themes in them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't want to compare them because they're different, but you know, Je- Jess's story in Bend It Like Beckham mm-hmm. does involve more direct defiance and a lot more direct conflict. But that's not a rom-com. Right. Uh, that's uh, more of a teen movie because she's, you know, in high school. And also the romance in that movie is very that's, fucked up. Yeah. She's like, There's a lot of things in that movie. Do you remember the line where he was like, I understand what you're going through. I'm Irish. Yes. Oh, yes. yes. Oh, we talked we about that, but then it. we got a bunch of people being like, well, at that time in history, like, Irish people in the UK of were course. heavily discriminated right. against yeah. and all this stuff. And I was like, whoops, yes. should have learned more about history. But in America, it sounded absurd. Right. <laughs> uh, but also, the tone of those two movies is so different. Like, yes. Bennett Like Beckham is whatever. The tone is different. Yeah. yeah. I and mean, the genre is different. Yeah. yeah. I understand why they get paired together uh, yeah. because there are stories involving, uh, you know, first generation uh, Americans trying to reckon with their culture versus what they want to do with their lives. Similar well, themes. Well, Brenda like Beckham is... I'm Brit- sorry. You're so right. I'm sorry. <laughs> but you know what is first generation Americans reckoning with their culture is The Big Sick, which has literally mm. identical I scenes was, with this movie. Yes. The dinner scene <laughs> the dinner where scene they're trying to like, get set up. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But in any case, I... It's a rom-com. Yes. So there's only so many places for it to land. That's true. In 2002. Mm-hmm. Um, well, as we hinted at, slash overtly said, the movie does pass the Bechtel test. Uh, Tula talks to her mom, to her Aunt Vula, to her sister. Um, a lot of the scenes where women are interacting are about either her, her da- Tula's dad or about Ian, but there are a few, like, two-line exchanges or more here and there that yeah. pass the Bechdel test. Um, shall we rate the movie on our nipple scale? Let's do it! I am gonna go what's probably a little low on the spectrum of, of all of us. Takes, takes, takes. And I know that this is a rom-com, and I know that it then it's going to be about a romantic relationship, and what's because of, of hetero... <laughs> I'm getting there. 
because of heteronormativity, it's going to be about a relationship with a man. And I understand all of that. I understand that's how rom-coms work uh, in mainstream American cinema. But because I feel like there were opportunities to do a little bit more kind of challenging and commentary on what is, at least by today's standards, pretty sexist double standards and sexist takes on what a woman's role is in society and family and stuff like that. And the movie ends with her marrying a man and doing what her family wanted all along. I'm going to give it two nipples. Wow. Wow. I know. I know. But you guys, you guys can give it Right. fives and you Someone's know up to this the in car and they just crash their car <laughs> but that, people listen to this in the car you know that being said i really really enjoyed tula's character i liked that she was defiant in many ways i liked her as like a lead in a romantic comedy movie but the fact that the whole crux of the thing is like yeah my family wants me to get married so i will okay It just, I feel like there could have been a little bit more, like, more subplots revolving around other endeavors of her that she could have pursued and a little bit more challenging of the status quo that was her pretty patriarchal family structure. So I'm going to give it two nipples. Are you giving the nipples? And I'm going to give one to Ian Miller. Whoa. (laughs) After all of that. After. Well, we do see both of his nipples. So many twists. We do a few it, times as he's being yes. baptized, yeah, like which yeah. was engaged. When I was most attracted to him because I was not paying attention to his hair. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and then I'm going to give my other nipple to her brother Nico, whose nipples we also see because he walks in with his shirt off in at least one scene. So those bare nipples. That's who I give them to. George. Wait, how long have you been doing the nipples thing? Oh, forever. Do I just not listen to the end? The end? Oh my god! You would George. not be alone there. You would not be alone. <laughs> Wait. So what is the? How do you decide who you oh, give okay. the nipples Sorry. to? Oh, um, it's up to you. Yeah, you can give them to anyone you want. Oh, it's just like arbitrary. Whoever. Okay. And it's a, based on a scale of zero to five nipples, based on its portrayal of women. Right. Right. Okay. I would say because of the scenes with Aunt Vula and the mom and Tula, I can't. I'm gonna give it five nipples because I can't not give it five nipples. <laughs> Um, and I'm going to give two to the mom, Maria, mm-hmm. two to Nia Verdalos, and one to Thea Vula. I love it. Nice. I'm uh, going to split the diff. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go three and a half mm-hmm. um, for many of the reasons stated. I just, the, the ending, I feel like even in a rom-com, there's a more interesting ending to this story. And I wanted a little more of a resolution between Nia, or not Nia, between, um, also isn't in the series, isn't her name Nia? Don't they yeah, change they her do. name? Yeah, mm. But you could yeah. so, this, the thing with the series is that I feel like you can so tell that it, like, she wrote something and then they gave her notes and the notes were all the wrong notes and it then they terrible. just like did it and it, I'm like <laughs> I'm regretting my five nipples because I feel like I, it's oh like I fully understand the issues you guys are raising we know no it's fine it's it's your your brain your choice yeah. uh so yeah I'll, I'll i'll go for three and a half i think that it is great to see even though i mean i don't know i i, I liked how we understood the way nia vardalas presents it how women operate within this very specific setting 
and also how they're able to, even if they're not toppling the patriarchy per se, how they're able to empower themselves and get what they need uh, while navigating a very patriarchal system. Mm. Yeah, I, I just wish that I knew what... Tula wanted to do with her life. It was never totally clear. Um, so it very well could be what she ended up with, but we didn't know that. And it was kind of like you were saying, Caitlin, of like, well, she ends up with a guy doing what her parents wanted, and maybe that is what she wanted, just on her own terms, but we just never find that out. So mm-hmm. that's the one place that this falls short for me. Uh, so I'm going to go three and a half, given two to Tula. Uh, I'm going to give one to Maria, and then I'll give a halfie to uh, Joey Fatone. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect, actually. <laughs> he really That's fell the, out of this yeah. conversation, well, and it wasn't fair to him. Because he has, like, three lines in the entire movie. He's like, pasta! We're like, <laughs> this is not the movie, Joey. Uh, well, George, mm-hmm. thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. This was lovely. Where can people find you online? What would you oh, like to yes. plug? Follow me on Twitter, at George Zavaris, and then go on my website and all my shows are there yeah. <laughs> if you're in the New York area you gotta see you gotta. him he's incredible and now our embargo on men is back on baby fucking <laughs> <laughs> I actually can't speak anymore yeah so, <laughs> he just actually faded away it was kind of beautiful um, so now Jamie you and I can just uh, shoot the shit shoot the shit which includes plugging our stuff uh, follow us on social media at Bechtelcast yep Go to our Patreon, a.k.a. Matreon, at patreon.com slash Bechtelcast. $5 a month gets you two extra episodes. Wow. Uh, Public. Go to our Public oh, sure. store. I guess if you want merch, you can have, you can get it. It costs money, though. Mm. And uh, otherwise, um, you know, have a great day. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Do you love fashion? Do you love getting compliments on how well you're dressed? Are you always seeking the latest trends? Then we're talking to you. BostonProper.com is your fashion destination and the only place to go for all those nods, head turns, and new styles. No matter the day, season, or occasion, Boston Proper has what you're looking for. Sophisticated, confident clothing designed to flatter and get noticed. So visit BostonProper.com now and start creating your perfect wardrobe. Boston Proper. Wear it like no one else. I'm late. I'm late. It's a very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com. Come.